However, standing by right now is the one and the only Sean Mooney. Who? Mooney, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> After you threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing. So right before I called 911, I thought she'd fallen asleep. Kind of shook her a little bit to, to wake her up, and she did not respond. I don't go down to my go to my grave, testifying or whatever, swearing that Davey was not on drugs. If he was on drugs, the way Brett says, how does I mean, how great does that make Davey? Are you laughing, Sean? I get off the track here all the time. Did you just laugh, Sean? If they would do a movie about your life, who would you want to play your part? <laughs> Uh, well, George Clooney, of course. <laughs> Who else could it be? Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed. Carry on, maggot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Primetime with Sean Mooney, PTSM, Moon Nation. Uh, so much happening in our world. It has been a tremendous week. Lots going on. I've got a big announcement to tell you about. Uh, we're coming off a great episode. Of, uh, I want to talk a little bit about that uh, before we get, we get into everything. Uh, we had Mike Drozzi on. Uh, you you uh, know him, a.k.a. as uh, Duke the Dumpster Drozzi. And uh, just an incredible story. I really, really enjoyed uh, that conversation I had with him. I hope you enjoyed the episode. But, uh, you know, just just somebody who you go into an interview like that, and if you know his story, and if you uh, heard the podcast, you know it, uh, it's something you can think, oh, my God, this could be a really a downer, you know, uh, because you have a guy that uh, took a chance and basically walked up to Vince McMahon and said, hey, here's my, my tape, put this great tape together. Vince gets impressed. They bring him uh, up. He ends up getting a job with the, the WWE and uh, it just never really happened for him. I mean, he got uh, you know some a uh, couple of good pushes, and then uh, you know had a, these addiction problems that destroyed him. I mean, just really uh, almost killed him. Uh, he ends up uh, losing a foot, and, and yet, uh, and I think that you know, whenever I go into these, uh, I, there's always a, a positive side to these, and 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 life lessons learned from these conversations. And there were certainly some great lessons um, in there. Uh, Mike has has gotten through it, and he is now, uh, you know, getting back involved with wrestling. He's doing a lot of appearances, and uh, you know, a lot going on. He's gonna he said he's gonna have a podcast. So I'm really happy for him. I really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you did as well. Got another great episode coming up, and uh, we did this conversation a few weeks back. And uh, I really, you know, I, this is another conversation going into it, you know, for the interview, I'm thinking, you know, what's, what's this conversation going to be like? What's this going to, what are we going to get out of this? Because I was never really, um, a belt guy that, you know, you, there's people that you go to these shows and they are crazy for title belts, you know, or, or on any of these wrestling belts. And they are, they're really something. I mean, I've always been impressed by them and the, uh, the artwork, it's true. There's artwork involved in these. And, uh, you know, in, in the, the way they put these together, there's all these great stories. Well, we uh, talked with Dave Milliken. Now, if you uh, know uh, your, your history when it comes to title belts, he is a big name, uh, one of the uh, uh, premier people that uh, made these belts and uh, still to this day does it. And I was absolutely fascinated uh, having this conversation with him. And, and uh, you will be as well. 
Uh, I really think you're going to enjoy this. So uh, I'm going to leave it at that because there's so much more coming to you. I said there's a big announcement, and I'm not kidding you. I was on my way back over here to do this recording, and I uh, got on the phone. I've been trying to get a hold of them, and uh, finally did. Uh, we are going to have uh, Joe Laurinaitis, Animal, uh, the Legion of Doom, the war- Road Warriors. He is going to be joining us this Sunday. Uh, that is March 3rd for our watch along. It is, uh, you know, we've been, uh, we had one with the Brian knobs, which is a blast. Um, so let's do it again. What do you say? Let's do it again. What a great way to start out the, uh, month of March. And, uh, you can, uh, you know, sign up to be a part of this. It's uh, all you have to do is go to primetimemooneylive.com, primetimemooneylive.com to sign up. But if you are a Patreon member, if you're one of our PTSM, Primetime with Sean Mooney Patreon members, and you happen to be uh, uh, one of the Moonies, or if you are part of the Legion of Who, you get this watch-along absolutely free. Yes, you will join us. And uh, you know how it goes. You know how we do this. Uh, We get uh, a match, and we're going to be putting up, um, I think we're going to do four matches uh, set up like a poll, and you guys decide which one you want to do with the watch-along. And uh, what we do is we will watch the match, and you get to come along, if you've been with us on one of these before, during the entire match as we do it. Uh, you're going to be able to ask questions throughout as Joe uh, relives the encounter, along with Hawk. And, uh, and uh, then when it's over, you get to come on screen with him as well. You get to come right up there live and interact, and you can ask more questions, or you can uh, you know, ask him about a story, if it's true. Uh, maybe you had an encounter with him at one of these live shows you can uh, ask him about. But the, it, it's just a blast. And uh, we keep getting better and better at this. So do not miss your opportunity to uh, be a part of our uh, second watch-along, our second superstar watch-along. Again, uh, Joe Laurinaitis, Animal of the Legion of Doom is going to be joining us. It's happening this Sunday. And uh, and you can sign up, uh, like I said, by going to primetimemoonylive.com. Or, of course, you can become a Patreon member. If you already are, well, you're in. If you're one of the Moonies or Legion of Whom, you're in. But uh, if not, uh, join us. And it's all part of all the tremendous perks uh, that come with being a Patreon member. And that's easy to do. You just go to patreon.com slash primetimemoonie. Patreon.com slash Primetime Mooney. Okay. Uh, before we get rolling here, once again, I want to thank uh, What For Apparel. I love these guys. Uh, they do so many great designs uh, for all their support and, of course, all of the great T-shirts they've put together for our uh, Primetime with Sean Mooney collection, and it is growing, and they are awesome. And if you're looking uh, to put your lo- your own line of merchandise together, yeah, this is. let me explain how this works. Now, uh, they, uh, you know, they they consult with you. Let's say you want to have your own T-shirt. You got your own T-shirt collection. Well, you can create an account with them. You basically have your own little T-shirt shop, and you uh, come up with these designs, and then they help, uh, uh, you know, put it all together. And you don't have to buy, you know, like twenty-five or you know, fifty shirts because they they're done. The you know this new technology, they do it uh, per order. So when somebody orders that T-shirt. Uh, they just put the order in, and it uh, you know makes the shirt, uh, prints it up, and then they also it gets even better. They send it out for you, and then they take their cut, and then you get 
uh, whatever you price this T-shirt at, then you get uh, you're you're part of the deal, and, and it is just really really awesome. So, uh, what for apparel? You know, helps turn your T-shirt designs into cash, and there is zero upfront cost. Now, for more information, just go to whatforapparel.com/contact. That's whatforapparel.com/contact, or go to at whatforapparel on Twitter and send them a message for your free quote and consultation, and be sure to tell them that. I sent you. Sean Mooney sent you. And uh, you can also check out uh, the great What For Apparel PTSM t-shirts uh, that's real easy to do. We can uh, you just go to MooneyTees.com. Okay? So, don't miss your opportunity. So, what do you say? We now hear from Dave Milliken. You're going to love this one. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, folks, my guest this week is a legend in the world of professional wrestling. When you talk about title belts... And if you are schooled in the history of professional wrestling, you know just how much title belts are a part of the lore of the game, as we like to say. And when you talk about the creators of the most revered belts in the history of professional wrestling, you think of Reggie Parks and the man joining me right now on Primetime with Sean Mooney, Dave Milliken. Dave, welcome to Primetime. Thank you, Sean. Great to be here. You know, uh, before we get into your story, um, and, and I don't know, I, I imagine you're, that you're a, a student of, of the history of this, but uh, was it as simple as far as uh, belts getting into professional wrestling is that, uh, you know, wrestlers didn't want to have to carry trophies around? <laughs> That's exactly right. That is, yeah. uh, that is how uh, Reggie Parks, you know, who, who really started the championship belt business as we know it. That, that's exactly how he, how he made his first belts. Yeah. And, and it's really funny because you, you think about, um, it was kind of a necessity. I mean, uh, you know, uh, back in the day, uh, you would be in these territories driving all over, uh, you know, coast to coast in cars and, and, uh, uh making uh, shots and, and, you know, you got your gear with you, of course, which you always have to have. And then if you are successful, you're, you're dragging around a trophy. That's just another piece of luggage. So um, exactly right. Yeah. 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 And, he, and Reggie said this one was, was about a five foot trophy. And I don't know if he's exaggerated that or not, but he said that um, that they really didn't have room for it. So, yeah, you're, you, you nailed it. That's exactly right. So um, were there title belts? Did they exist uh, in professional wrestling before? You know, Reggie said, I'm, I'm just not carrying a trophy around anymore. Is, is there more to it than that? Sure, sure. They, they go back. I mean, you can go back to, uh, I think Reggie was born in, my gosh, 1930. He'll kill me, 1934, 1935, something like that. Yeah. And you can go back and see belts way before that. As a matter of fact, I think, and this, this I'm not much of a student on, but I think you yeah. can go back to the old, uh, old Greece days and find some symbols of belts they had tried to make. But, yeah. um, you know, they were they were uh, typically made by jewelers, or they were homemade belts before Reggie. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a great example of that is after Reggie made his first championship belts, which were the Midwest Tag Team belts. Uh, um, after he made those belts, they uh, the champion, the AWA champions, which were Larry Hennig uh, and Harley oh, Race, came to town. Uh, hey. Uh- Hey, Dave, you dropped out there for about yeah. 30 seconds. So start that story again uh, about, uh, you know, that, that you were just going into. We were talking about the uh, the early belts. Oh, my gosh. I've got a full signal here. I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry yeah. about that. Let's start there. Um, yeah, okay. Um, so when Reggie Parks uh, made his first belts, which were the Midwest Tag Team 
championship belts. Mm-hmm. The uh, AWA world champions came to town and uh, they said, if you're wearing your belts to the ring, then we're not wearing ours because what they had were some plaques, like uh, just the, like a plaque that would hang on the wall attached to some leather straps. So Reggie <laughs> really changed the game. Really? And did he have any, what kind of training did he have as far as, uh, you know, uh, being able to put something together? I know, I imagine the first one, uh, you know, wasn't real uh, elaborate, but what kind of background did he have? Was he an artist? Did he, uh, had done plating, doing something else before that? Nothing of the kind. He, um, he just did it all on the fly. And we, we were able uh, probably about six or seven years ago to, reclaim those those actual belts and they are still in great shape um and and the difference is not only the craftsmanship was really good but um that they just revered them so much in those days that they didn't throw them around nearly as much and and they didn't Mm -hmm. beat them up and they were they were handled very carefully Um, so so no but no he had no he had nothing of the kind and he just uh he just kind of winged it and came up with um uh, came up with some copper pieces that he chrome plated and then found some trophy pieces uh, and, and put them on a pretty basic leather strap and that was it. But he had no training of any kind, no artistic training at all. So was it a, was it a, a big adventure to track those belts down? How did, how did you guys find them? Well, as so often happens, thanks to, to um, you know, the world we live in with the, uh, social media and, and, uh, and how media in general has changed, we didn't find them. They found us. Uh, um, one of Reggie's uh, old tag team partners had, had recently uh, at the time passed away, and his wife uh, reached out to offer Reggie one of the belts. And then we got a little greedy and said, "Hey, uh, if you will, if you will do it, we'll buy the other one." Uh, so that's what we did, so that we could have the original belts that Reggie made uh, because they started our whole business. Uh, well, that's fantastic. Uh, we will get into your your partnership with Reggie Parks as as we go along this journey. But I, I really want to start with yours. And uh, I know you you grew up, and I, I imagine you grew up in Tennessee, and uh, were a wrestling fan uh, as a child. Uh, you know, and there was all kinds of great wrestling down back in back in those days, and uh, with you know GCW and and Jerry Lawler. Uh, what was uh, your 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 introduction to wrestling, and and you know is that something that uh, took up a big part of your life as a child? Um, you know, when I was, when I was uh, younger, uh, before, you know, probably five, six, seven years old, uh, uh, probably all up to maybe nine or 10, you know, my older brother was in and out of it. He would, he would really, um, he, he was a big Jerry Lawler, as you, as you mentioned, was, uh, was mostly a heel in those days. And, yeah. Uh, not the polished um, WWE announcer that that people have gotten used to, but the real Southern sounding uh, heel. And uh, anyway, I, at the time, I was kind of out of it. I hated Jerry. Um, he was good at his <laughs> job, and I couldn't stand him. And uh, so I was I was in and out of it. And uh, when I was about thirteen or fourteen years old, that that really got a hold of me. Uh, and from that. You know, from that time on, uh, that that I I carried on. But yeah, we were we were just outside of Memphis, Tennessee, probably about twenty five miles north of Memphis. So that was our hometown wrestling, and um, you know, um, kind of coming full circle. Uh, now Jerry and I have been friends for about thirty years, and I've done tons of work for him, and he's he's helped my career so much. 
just by the endorsements and, uh, and and that sort of thing. And and stamping off when WWE came back around to me even. Uh, Jerry was the one that they they called and said, "Hey, you know what about this guy?" And Jerry said, "I don't know why you weren't using him years ago." Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Jerry's been instrumental in in uh, in my career and in my life. Um, but yeah, it's funny, you know, you 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 sometimes you meet your heroes and it's like you wish you hadn't met your heroes. Yeah. But, um, uh, that nothing nothing uh, could be different with Jerry. He's he's just uh, a great guy and, and and a very good friend. Now, I, I know you were a big fan of a lot of these wrestlers, but it, it seemed as though you had a fascination with title belts. What was it about the straps that these guys wear around their, race that, uh, their waist that uh, fascinated you? Because you started making them as a kid, right? I did. And mostly that goes back to Jerry Lawler as well. Um, mm. Jerry had just started a feud with Dutch Mantell over the Southern Heavyweight Championship, the Memphis version, which was a Reggie Parks belt. And, um, it caught my eye one morning, you know, because when I was smaller and watching with my brother, I really paid no attention to them. They yeah. just didn't catch my eye. There's nothing about them that I cared about. Um, and at the time the Memphis territory had no, that I'm talking about originally, the Memphis territory had no Reggie belts, but in 19, gosh, it would have been probably 81. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really caught my eye and, uh, I started with some uh, cardboard and uh, some stuff I found around the house and aluminum foil. And uh, my brother had a, had an oil paint set, and I raided that and without his knowledge and, uh, and used some of the paint. And oh my gosh, it was terrible. Um, and and you know they just they just got a little better uh, as we went along. And uh, well, I guess we can get into that later. But they just got a little better as we went along. But that's exactly what it was. It was just uh, one Saturday morning. I turned the TV on, and there were. Uh, Jerry and Dutch, and they had the belt between them, and we're going at, against each other that Monday night. Um, and you know, that was it. I was hooked. You know, you know, but you'd think at the time, and I don't know how old you were, uh, uh, but you'd think you know you would be fascinated with the doing the you know becoming a wrestler. Uh, but it seems you became obsessed with these belts because you just kept getting better and better at making it, making them. And and was that what it was? I mean, was it an obsession with you? Uh, very much so. Wrestling in general actually was, but yeah, the belts were the, were the centerpiece of it for sure. Um, yeah, wrestling in general was became an obsession for me where um, I think I did have a Farrah Fawcett uh, poster on my wall and, yeah, uh, so and a Benny Hill poster where he's, <laughs> and, a, and a Benny Hill poster where he's got the, the very buxom girl there. But yeah. the rest of my wall was papered with uh, you know, much to, much to the uh, chagrin of my mom and dad, but my walls were papered with uh, wrestling uh, uh, pinups and posters and stuff. And mm-hmm. what they all had in common was they all had championship belts on them. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, and so, yeah, it just was. As far as the wrestling part, I think I kind of got my fill of that. You know, we, uh, I'm, uh, I'm 51, and uh, back, in, back in those days, you know, we had a few channels. Uh, we didn't have video games and that sort of thing. So uh, we wrestled a lot for real, and we kind of mm-hmm. we turned into fights. And I, I think I kind of got my feel of all that. I didn't really, you know, um, and I'm not the biggest guy around, so I never really had designs on, on being a wrestler. I did I did for a time later on uh, in the 90s run some shows and, and was involved in the business, and I'm connected to a small promotion now that I help out with that's uh, in North Alabama. But, um yeah, it really no. It wasn't my it wasn't my great desire to to be a wrestler. Um, 
Like, quite honestly, I think I probably would have just done it. I think I would have found a way in because I found a way in, uh, you know, with, with the belt. So yeah. I think I could have done the other as well. I don't know how good I would have been or successful. I'm not saying that. I just, I just, um, but the belts were, were, were the centerpiece of it, the obsession for me. Yeah. And it would lead you to, to Reggie Parks, but I have to wonder, you know, back then, Dave, uh, we didn't, and you mentioned before, we don't, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have, you know, the Google and have your answer in eight seconds. And I can't imagine there was a lot of information out there about a guy who made these title belts. How did you get information and then eventually get his phone number? Wonderful question. And and one I've been interviewed a hundred times and I don't think anybody's ever asked that before, but, um, the, the, the wrestling magazines, um, Bill mm-hmm. Apter was a friend of Reggie's and was uh, sure to mention occasionally in the magazines where they would do the, where are they now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that sort of thing. He would, he would, he would make it a point to mention Reggie, um, pretty often. And so I found out there that Reggie made a lot of the, a lot of the, and Reggie was not the only maker, even through the, the glory days, there were others, the Levy company and Nikita Malkovich. And, but Reggie was, was by far the, the leader of the pack and the innovator. Um, and, but I found out about him through Bill after, uh, and then, uh, some years later, probably late eighties, uh, Jerry Lawler showed me the, the back of all the belts and says, no, it's right here. Reggie crafted by Reggie parks. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I had actually gotten Reggie's number from a guy that just some indie show that probably mm-hmm. had 50 people at it, but, but he had a Reggie belt and I asked him, I saw the velvet bag. I said, Hey man, can I see your Reggie belt? And he said, how do you know it's a, what do you, what, how do you know that's a Reggie belt? I said, cause I recognize the velvet bag. <laughs> and, uh, we started talking and I got his number and that was, that was, was the start of it. Uh, and so you, you, you dial, you're on the rotary, uh, or I, well, we had, we had uh, push button back then. Uh, and you yeah, dial them up. House, so did, yeah. <laughs> did, what'd you have? What'd you have? <laughs> yeah. I think by the time, well, by the time that I did call Reggie, yeah, I was up, to, I was up to push button. Yeah, I grew push up button. rotary for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Try and talk, tell my kids about that. And they're like, what? But anyway, um, yeah. Uh, so you, 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 you dial the number. What happens? What, I, <laughs> well, I, um, I had already been making my own belts for years and they were, um, they were primitive, but they were good enough to sell to some of the, the indie shows, which were not as, as prevalent as they are now, but they existed. Yeah. Uh, and the word would get out mostly in the Southeast about me. And I would, I would send out some of those, you know, I made some belts for, for some of the indie shows, but really my contact with Reggie, um, I would have never been so bold as to say, Hey, will you help me out? Or, you know, mm-hmm. anything of the kind, I just wanted one of his belts. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I had, uh, I had put my money together and, um, and made the phone call because there wasn't, you know, as you said, no websites, nothing like that. So I made the yeah. phone call and said, you know, Mr. Parks, I just like to order one of your belts and went through the thing about being a big fan and all of that stuff. And uh, I told him in the conversation, I said, you know, I, I make my own championship belts and, I, and I've sold some, but I, it's nothing like what you do. And um, he says, well, send me some pictures, hmm. uh, which now means, hey, you know, pull them off the phone. In those days, it meant <laughs> right. take some snapshots, go get them developed and yeah. mail them out. <clears throat> and right. I did. And I, but I just, you know, Reggie's such a, such a nice man and, and uh, yeah. always has been. And I just thought he's just being nice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and he was. But after he got him, he said, I see a lot of potential there. Wow. Uh, you know, I see a lot of potential. And uh, he said, How, why don't you do this like I do it? And I said, I would, I'd love to. I just don't know where to start. And that's 
and that's how that conversation started. You know, and I was going to ask you that uh, without a lot of information, how did you even, you know, before you got met up with Reggie or, or I don't know what your correspondence was to learn this, but did you just look at pictures and get ideas for these yeah. belts that you were putting together? Mostly what I was doing was recreating in a homemade form, a very primitive, crude, homemade form, uh-huh. what Reggie uh, had, had made famous. Mm-hmm. And I was using, I had, I had an uncle uh, when I was a teenager that uh, uh, no longer with us, but he, he, had, he worked uh, in a shop where they had these big sheets of steel. Um, and we could, if I'm the days that I wasn't in school or through the summertime, I could go to work with him and cut these pieces of steel out um, and then just add my own trophy pieces or, or I found some embroidery paint and learned to, to draw the designs on them and that sort of thing. But, um, and so they were, they were very primitive like that. They were sturdy and heavy, but they were just very primitive. Um, and Reggie changed all that. Wow. And, and uh, so anyway, he, he does contact you and says, Hey, you got some potential. So, but how did this progress? Cause eventually you guys, uh, become partners but how long was that process there? And then how did you, because I don't think you met him for years later, uh, right, to right. be able to learn from him without being in a shop with him. Well, I already had some of the basics. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I learned, I was self-taught as far as weather work. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I look at some stuff that's only, only even 15 years old. And I think, man, I, I've even gotten better over that time. And I thought I was pretty good back then, but <laughs> uh, you know, you, you still, you, you just, you just never get too old to learn or learn an yeah. easier way or a better way or a smoother way of doing something. And, um, really that Reggie, Reggie, uh, only really held my hand kind of through the process of learning how to get plates etched through the same engravers that he was using and the same plating company he was using in that process. Um, the rest of it, um, you know, was just kind of self-taught and, and, and mostly by looking at, at Reggie's, uh, at Reggie's work. Um, but I, I, uh, you know, I, I, back then I was, I just never would have asked him. I didn't ask him a lot of questions. Occasionally I would ask him a question. This, this started, you're right. I probably met him five years maybe after it started, wow. but it progressed very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, because he, because he made it, he said, can you, uh, do you think you can get some orders for what we would call a, a real belt? And I said, yeah, I have people asking me all the time. And he says, do that. Get you, you get an order or two for a real belt and then let me know you got it. And he said, the first go around, I'm going to get some plates made for you. I'm going to send them to you. You finish them out with the paint and, um, you know, and the leather work. And he said, I want to tell you though, uh, if I don't like what I see, he said, I want pictures of everything. And if I don't like what I see, then maybe you just kind of go back to doing your own thing. And mm. I thought that was as fair as it gets, Yeah, uh, you know, uh, because I, ne- I never asked for this, uh, uh-huh. but, it, but, but what a, what a, you know, what a great gesture on his part. And I sent him, uh, I sent him pictures of the first, I guess, maybe three or four belts that I made and he approved, mm. uh, and then down the line, I, it would get kind of funny because he really didn't critique them. He didn't say, oh, you should do this or you should do that. What he did do is down the line, he would look at them because uh, I would just send him pictures later just kind of because I was kind of proud of them, not because he requested them anymore. Right. And he would say, you know, I was wondering when you were going to pick that up. That looks great. <laughs> and he just he, he liked for me to pick it up on my own like he did because he was self-taught as well. 
Yeah. So at, at the time, though, are you making these belts that uh, for organizations for, you know, different territories or are these for people that want them? No, they were still they were still people that wanted them at the time. Yeah. And they were, um, uh, I guess, in 19, gosh, it was probably 95, 95, 96. I did some stuff. I redid some old belts, some old Reggie belts for Jerry Lawler. Mm-hmm. That it just kind of you know because of how they get beat up so bad and the yeah. leather's in terrible shape, and I and I already had known you know New Jerry pretty well, so so he uh, he had me redo some stuff for him, and those were the probably the early ones that made television or at least television that that would matter. Um, I might have I'm sure I had plenty on cable access or you know, or small time you know local shows somewhere else or something, but the ones that mattered to me that was the first stuff that I did. Um, you know that I, that I really cared about and was very proud of. So, what was the the first belt though that you did that represented a title for an organization? I should be able to just pop that answer off, and I, <laughs> I'm not even I'm truly not even sure uh, the, the you know that I outright made 100. percent I'm I'm really not even sure yeah. where that where that would start. Yeah, I I mean. Um, I mean, the first one that I, that I made with Reggie went to a, a wrestling organization for sure. It was just kind of an intercontinental knockoff. Um, but it was just a small time deal, you know? Um, and then, you know, I really just kind of stayed in Reggie's shadow and I was pretty content to be there, uh, through, uh, most of the nineties, uh, from the mid nineties on, I should say. Um, and I was, I was very content with that position. And then, you know, I would start doing some of the pro wrestling Noah stuff. Um, and then, you know, TNA came along and, um, in 1996, after I had already started working with Reggie, when he was doing the, at the time, WWF belts. Right. And, uh, they had a little falling out and, uh, wanted the things were changing. The business was changing, uh, as you know, and they wanted contracts and Reggie's, you know, Reggie had a hard time, uh, transitioning into the, that, that paperwork world he'd done everything on a handshake or send me a check um you know his his early belts uh with wwf were because hulk hogan wanted to use him and Mm. so you know there was there was just a phone call or you know phone call kind of deal and when things started changing and they didn't want their design they wanted the exclusivity with the designs which now is common sense now it's like of course they do but at the time these were Reggie kind of considered these his babies and he didn't want to be told he couldn't make um, what we call a winged eagle belt for somebody else. Um, and so they just, they had a fallen out over that. And there was some guy that took a, a belt on television on a um, small time talk show and, and wanted to say that he was a WWF champion of some light heavyweight champion or something. Mm-hmm. And that caused a little bit of a thing, but really what really uh, was the straw that broke the camel's back for Reggie was when they hardline insisted sign a contract, um, make these designs exclusive to us, and they it just rubbed in the wrong way, and they they had a falling out. Yeah. Um, and so from 1996 until they came back to me in 2008, we didn't do the WWF slash WWE championship belts. Wow, that that really is incredible to think about that. Uh what kind of work could have been done during those years uh, with you right. guys, with them because of, of everything that was going on. But you, you did, you created so many other, I, I mean, I, I, you got it. They're pieces of art when you look at them and I uh, like looking at your website and you see some of these. Um, 
uh, we can't go through all of them, but uh, the ones yeah. that what are the ones that really stand out to you? Uh, that that I, and I don't know if there's three or four of them that uh, in your mind were something that you really are proud of. Um, you know, even though these days it's it's in terrible terrible shape, but the uh, the latest uh, the last IWGP belt um, is something that is, has. Uh, just kind of taking on a, a a big personality of its own, even in the terrible condition the belt is is in mm. these days, it's still revered, and we st- I'm still asked yeah. at least once a week if I can replicate it for somebody. Um, so that one that one jumps out, um, you know, immediately. Um, but we did we did a lot of stuff on the in between. We had we had the UFC deal for many years until they decided to go with factory made belts, just cutting costs. Um, you know, we, we had the UFC belt for, for uh, you know, UFC just did a, a documentary and came to my house last May and, and spent a day there. Man, I've done all kind of video shoots, but they came in with 4K cameras, a producer, a director, uh, all the way down to gophers. I was like, my gosh, I'm used to two guys and a camera. Um, but <laughs> I only said that to say this, you know, just to be a part of that iconic brand for so many years was was a big deal for us. Um, so those, you know, those jump out at me. And then of course, uh, the reintroduction of our intercontinental title that started with Reggie and then full circle back to me. Um, it's a pretty basic belt really, but I love it. And, uh, so does the public. And that's why it still has life uh, all these years later after Cody Rhodes reintroduced it. You know, I'll tell you though, uh, as I mentioned, I, I really think that they're, they're works of art and, um, Talk to me a little bit about the design and what goes in, how, when you're laying this out, uh, what makes you decide to put things in there? And and one thing I love to look at these belts and you see these, there's all these details. Some of it seems like it's telling a story if you really look at it. Uh, how, do, how, does, how do you go about laying that out for that particular belt? Uh, with a lot of help. <laughs> Re- Reggie and I had something in common. Of course, when Reggie started doing this, uh, none of this was done on a computer. Um, and while I am not uh, by any means computer illiterate, uh, I've never been great with the artwork programs. And it's it, I'm not great at it. Honestly, I've, I'm not that good at it because I've never dedicated any real time to it. Uh, in the late nineties, early two thousands, I dabbled in it and I just found that it was taking so much more time for me to do it than it were the guys that were better versed at it, that it was not a a good use of my time and, and, you know, time is money. So, um, we have, uh, going back now, almost 20 years, um, one of our, our partners now, he's a partner now at the time he was just an artist, um, uh, Rico man came in and, and really these days our design process, if it's anything custom starts with him and where I do come in, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, we've done a lot of it uh, earlier today, but where I do come in with that is I'll say, no, I don't, I don't think this flows. I think this should come out. And, mm-hmm. um, we have a good, he, he's great at, uh, he doesn't take anything personally. Um, uh, he's much better at that than I would be. He doesn't get his feelings hurt. If you say, no, I don't like that. Let's take this out and do this. Then he'll come back with it, uh, a new draft. And he never gets bent out of shape about it. And sometimes uh, we go through a lot of drafts, but it really starts with him and, and he gets into the, uh, the artwork programs and uh, just does his thing. Um, he's also done some hand drawings. We did a belt for kiss uh, probably six, seven years ago. And he hand drew the portraits, uh, for, for the kiss members that were on the side plates. Um, so it's not all computer stuff, but, uh, 
you know, mostly, mostly it is. And that's where it starts. And about the only way I'm useful there is to say what works and what doesn't, you know. But do they, do you sit down with, and, and like you said, it, it's a creative process, but uh, what fascinates me is how uh, someone decides that uh, how, what they want on these belts, because it isn't just right. the, 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 you know, the, the face plate on it. You mentioned there's the side plates and, uh, and is that like the first step you, you sit down and then, uh, I don't know if the, the creative person on this picks their brain and they have specific ideas that they want in there. Uh, you know, is that how it works the, in the process before, you know, you get down well, to actually constructing it? Well, it runs the gamut. We have people that come to us that know exactly what they want in some mm -hmm. cases and they, and they'll say, this is what I want. And I have a, a vector file created already. And this is what I'd like. And, you know, of course there's usually an adjustment that has to be made or whatever for our etching process that Rico will make. But, and they're, those people are great. They come to us and say, this is what I want. And Rico will make the necessary adjustment so that the etching turns out right. And we mm -hmm. go with it. And, but it's, if we're creating something from the ground up, which we're doing several different projects right now for people uh, and for organizations. And when you, when these things, um, you know, it's a process where some we have we have some right now that say we don't really know what we want, so throw some stuff at us and let's see what sticks. Um, and in that case, uh, everybody's involved. From Rico, Rico will throw a, a base drawing out. If he's got some guidance, that's perfect. That's great. If he doesn't, then he's just gonna he's just gonna freelance it. He's gonna wing it, um, and then we show the client. And if they you know, what they like is uh, they're the boss and what they like sticks. And, you know, if they have any ideas, then great. And if they don't, then the ideas come from Rico and from myself. And we'll just brainstorm on it until we get it uh, where they're happy with it. So it really just kind of runs the full range there. Is, uh, are there any examples you could give me where there is artwork on a belt that many people don't know about that it maybe signifies something that, uh, you know, as personal to somebody or, you know, maybe even a champion that we've seen out there. But uh, are there any examples of that where they have artwork that people really don't know about that's contained on them? You know, we've done we've done some of it more of that for the, you know, uh, privately for for some uh, collectors uh, uh, than we really have the organizations. Really, I can't think of anyone that anyone uh, that this would be recognizable. I can't. Think yeah, I was going to say any of the big belts, uh, you know, big gold or the right the winged eagle. Right, right. Uh, eagle or... Off the top of my head, right. I can't think of anything there. Um, uh, the, the winged eagle belt came about because Jay Strongbow uh, called Reggie and said, "We want to, we want our new belt to have the eagle consume the main plate, and that was the guidance on it, and the rest was Reggie and and, and his guys." So. Um, and, uh, but no, as far as we call them, you know, we, just like you do on a, on a, on a Blu-ray or something, we call them Easter eggs and we, we've done them for some, you know, more private clients, yeah. uh, as far as the recognizable, really, um, big name belts off the top of my head that anybody would know. I can't, I can't really think of anything like that. That's kind of a hidden feature. Um, one thing though, that, that when I got into this, that I thought was kind of cool and it, it's not exactly the same thing, but you know, you don't really necessarily, uh, know the detail um, that goes into, let's just say the leather work and, and the patterns mm. on the leather and, and that kind of thing. And so, you know, for the people that have never seen one up close and, and don't really know anything about them, that's, that's one of the things that jumps out and like, wow, I had no idea that so much, uh, you know, hand crafting work went into the leather or, you know, um, and just that kind of thing. But 
uh, I don't know. I, I do like it when we're asked to do little hidden, little hidden features, little Easter egg things. But um, uh, there was one we did for an entertainer that I've not been allowed to release yet, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> and it's a year old, so it's killing me. Uh, very, very big entertainer <laughs> that, yeah. that's killing me that I can't that I can't put out there because it yeah. has it has tons of these little Easter eggs in it. But oh, as far as organization belts, uh, yeah, yeah. As far as organization belts, I'm kind of drawing a blank. I can't think of a single one we've done like that. Do you do you put anything on those belts that you consider an Easter egg? I mean, your own little signature somewhere. I know you the, you have your name on it, but is there something you put in? Uh, I have a brother who's a photographer, and he has this uh, little. It's like a Mooney logo, uh, but very small. And when he does these classic photos, he's done posters and everything for uh, professional teams and college teams and other things yeah. like that. He puts this little logo in into the picture somewhere and you've got to try and find it and it's it's just kind of cool it doesn't do anything to alter the picture in any way but do you have anything like that or did reggie ever do anything like that i love that that's that's part of your branding and it's a great yeah. idea and it's something that you should do um really uh some of the early early uh reggie belts the early 70s ones had uh on the on the main plate, some are very small, like the old original yeah. Georgia Championship belt from 1974, handcrafted by R. Parks. Very small letters, didn't take anything away from the belt. Most people didn't know it was there. Um, mm -hmm. Then it got it got to be in the corners of the banners on a on a main plate of a belt. You'd see a little R. P. And of course, later down the line, there's some of them still say R. P. because we didn't want to change them. And there's a few now that have the little D. M. on them. Um, and so there's that, but then we have the, the leather crafting stamps, which is not so much hidden, but it's on the end of the belt and you never want it to be so big or, uh, kind of intrusive where it takes anything away from the, the, uh, the company that you're representing or the championship belt. So it's a small stamp. It just says, you know, uh, um, you know, crafted by Dave Milliken. It's got my little spade, uh, Ace of Belts logos on each side of it. Uh, on the plates though, I mean, really it's just, um, Sometimes there'll be a little DM in a banner or uh, Rico, of course, for, for copyright and our artwork, which has come in very handy in, in some legal situations, um, has has little um, copyright RP man mm -hmm. at the bottom. But it's just, it's just really about – it's not as much about artistry at that point as it is protection when it comes to that. Yeah. Uh, but I picked up the uh, the just Reggie for years now is used to crafted by Reggie Park stamp and you know probably uh, so we're, oh well over twenty years ago I came up with my own stamp and I've evolved it a little bit over the years and um, and added the little spade logos after they came along uh, but really that's that's just kind of it we don't want to overkill it you don't want to do too much to take away from what you're really supposed to represent I know but Dave I think this is a great idea. <laughs> I think it'd be, yeah. but but and yeah. you know it's kind of like it's like when they had you know you have a, a masterpiece you know and and uh, somebody tries to, uh, to to have a fake or something like that but it could be just such something that you know is in there and if it ever you when you have to come down to authenticate that masterpiece uh you know where it is and that would be people would be uh, just be fascinated to try and at least figure out where it is on, uh, on that masterpiece and then also I mean talk about a collector's item here but I'm just well, I'm it, just it, throwing it out there. I'm just throwing yeah, it yeah, out. Yeah, just there. throwing it out. Just throwing <laughs> it out. And then you know what? These days we are we are so uh, bootlegged. We are so copied oh, and stolen from that. Yeah, it is a great idea because yeah. the, the the more of an uh, as I said Easter egg that you could make it, then that is a great authentication tool for sure. 
um, you know, the, at least the good thing there as far as, um, uh, you know, as far as authenticating something, which I've done plenty of everything yeah. from ring use to just, did, did you guys make this? I get asked that all the time because we've even had our stamps replicated by some of these yeah. bootleggers. Well, that, that, that's easy. I'm uh, just saying if it's something that's hidden in there that only you know, yeah, you know right. about. That's a great, yeah. that's a great idea. As yeah. a matter of fact, I'm going to make sure I go back to Rico and say, hey, let's start hiding something and everything new because yeah. that is a tremendous idea. Oh, there you go. Okay. Just uh, one day and in, in, uh, somewhere down the road, you're going to say, I was having this conversation with Sean Mooney and bingo. That's where it came from. Uh, but but exactly. let's uh, getting, yeah, getting back to the, the, the lore of these, because people, it, it's just incredible. Uh, and I, I, I understand it in a sense because of what they represent with professional wrestling, but people really, they are just insane uh, for belts. And of course, you know, uh, the historical big gold belt, uh, that, uh, you know, that so many uh, very, very famous wrestlers wore. Of course, you know, Ric Flair, uh, the, the best known for it, which has the bend in it, right? That's uh, how it makes it, uh, you know, it's the one. But I kept thinking, you know, somebody could do that and, you know, put a bend in it. You know, they, they see where you can see it. But why is that belt uh, just so uh, revered? Uh everything came together perfectly to make it that way. And, yeah. um, I'll explain that, uh, when Ric Flair at his peak is the guy that debuts it. Um, at the time we you know when, when he's on fire and he's on top of the world that, that didn't hurt it, but it, mm -hmm. it was a game changer. And you know, the thing is we'd love to take credit for it, but you know, it, it wasn't even made by a championship belt maker. It was mm -hmm. made, by primarily a rodeo belt buckle company. I mean, they did really? other things. They did jewelry and yeah, crumb yeah. run uh, manufacturing. It's just a big belt buckle. <laughs> it's just, it, it's exact. It, that's essentially what it is. And yeah. it came about because of Nelson Royal, who, uh, who did some rodeo. Uh, I don't know exactly what, you know, what, ride, what kind of riding that Nelson did, but uh, yeah. old time former world junior heavyweight champion, Nelson Royal, who's, who's uh, passed now, but, but Nelson uh, put that deal together. As a matter of fact, on the back of the main plate, it says that it was ordered by Nelson Royal. Um, hmm. But but it, the belt was the belt was just something completely unique. It it um, it was made of sterling silver, you know, and overlaid uh, with with the gold plating. But the plates are sterling silver. Um, hmm. And you know, I think at the time, what had happened was the old Dome Globe Championship belt. Uh, was was looking pretty worn and and has been pretty beat up and then you know rick done a couple of tours with awa champions which had a bigger more ornate belt and and jim crockett uh knew that things were changing and it was not going to be the old territory days much longer and uh and he wanted that for for branding even though it didn't have originally it was gonna have nwa at the top and he, he changed his mind about that um, but it was just handcrafted, hand carved into sterling silver, and such uh, a, a unique piece of, uh, of jewelry. And as you said, when you said it's a big belt buckle, it really is. It's, it's a gigantic belt buckle. If you look at some of the Crumb Ride Rodeo buckles, it has yeah. the same same stylings. Um, but it was just unique, and it was it's this gigantic belt that's got jewels in it. And uh, and again, it didn't hurt that it was introduced and mostly connected to Ric Flair. So yeah. everything came together to make it iconic and it just stood the test of time. Uh, as far as copies go and people trying to say uh, that, that they have the original or whatever, I mean, there are definite ways to tell the, the original one besides the bend. 
um, you know, uh, first of all, your Cromwell's only ever done two made out of sterling silver, and the second one had some differences that were pretty pretty obvious. So, um, you know, the bootleggers do their best with it, and and some of them have have decent versions, but at the end of the day, nothing's going to compare to the to the real one. Yeah, and uh, you know the the thing about it is with that belt is that uh, you know the, the, there's this history that's attached to it too. You know, of course the the the, the story of of the uh, twenty five thousand dollar deposit on. You know, a lot of people you know think that this is all a work, but back in the day, uh, it wasn't so much uh, you know that the belt was worth twenty five thousand dollars, but these promoters would make the champion uh, have to have some skin in it because they didn't want them taken off with it. And uh, the story yeah. is, you know, it was a twenty-five thousand uh, dollar, you know, bounty or not bounty, but you know, he had uh, this deposit, and he what took off and went to the WWF with it. But it just adds to the lore of that belt, right? And and of course, it was worked out when he got his money back. Uh, Rick <laughs> was very very smart about that, and yeah. um, you know, had had full claim to the belt. Plus, uh, it actually. Had, and I don't know how well they proved this or disproved it, but it had been gifted to him from Jim Crockett. Mm, so yeah. as his personal property. So, so, uh, they basically had to come buy it back to get it back. They couldn't, they tried to manage it and try to try to just get it back in court. And, and, uh, they didn't really have a leg to stand on. And so that's <laughs> why ultimately they, they had to pay some money to get it back, uh, back over to the, whether the time it becomes a WCW brand, um, but yeah, it's just it's just it's just got so much fascinating history, and that's part of it. And you you're exactly right. In some in some cases, in the older days, the host promoter, like if one of the mainstay Florida guys was going to be the champion, sometimes the the host promoter would put the the the, the deposit up. Yeah. But that's exactly right. It was it was twofold. It was first of all, you're going to return I order championship belt, and it was also you're going to do business when the time comes because they nobody wanted to forfeit that kind of money and yeah. not get it back. So when it was time to uh, to drop it, uh, you'd come and do business. If anybody got a little hard headed about it, then you know that that was a that was the insurance that it that they would do business. Yeah, and then uh, you know, and of course the other one, and, and it, it, a lot of the times it is who's attached to these belts. Of course, they're you know they represent uh, a championship, say with the WWE, the WWF. But you know, the winged eagle, eagle, as we mentioned, with. You know, with and it's mostly I, I, uh, tied to Hulk Hogan, but there were other great uh, wrestlers who wore it. You know, Savage and and uh, Bret Hart, uh, Shawn Michaels. But I I think that as far as really uh, the recognition of that is got it was with Hulk. Yeah, it, it's um, I think it, it probably he he debuted it even though he dropped it the the same night he debuted it to Andre the yeah. Giant, but of course it. <laughs> yeah. he, he reclaimed it and, and it was very tied to him in the beginning. And, um, it, it actually, by the time that the attitude era had kicked off and, and Steve Austin, uh, had won the, the title, um, they had already started making a new belt. Of course, that was also the time of the falling out with Reggie, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, yeah. but they had their own design that they wanted to start going with. But Steve had told me, he said, I didn't really like the new belt, um, <laughs> But I also didn't want to wear Hulk Hogan's belt. Right. Um, so that so that was that was that was Steve's that was Steve's take on it. So um, you know, which is another reason that Steve for a time ended up with his own first ever championship belt. So um 
you know, but yeah, exactly right. That thing goes back to whole, and really, I'm glad you, that you mentioned that, or, you know, we, I mentioned a little earlier about the strongbow conversation with Reggie and, and the uh, creation of it. But, um, I think we have to consider that probably our signature piece. And I say our, because it started with Reggie, but I think I've probably made more of them later on. Uh, he made the ones that matter for sure. The original ones for Hulk. Uh, but then I've probably made more of them than, than he has over the years, uh, since that time. But yeah, that's, that's something that Reggie and I have had a conversation about, and we have to consider that probably our signature piece. It's the one that, um, it's, it stood the test of time and I think it's going to yeah. continue to do so. Absolutely. And, and, uh, what about that partnership? I mean, how did it work between you two? Did you collaborate on belts specifically? Or did you always do your own thing? And and how did that and how has that worked for so many years now? Well, it started off um, after we kind of got through uh, that that early phase, um, where I just kind of did my own thing, um, and he had hooked me up after those first few belts with uh, with the suppliers and the people I would need to to be in touch with and do business with. Um, but we'd also collaborated. I I had picked up. Uh, uh, what we call dual plating. Um, I had picked that up and taught myself how to do that, which basically means if if there's a nickel plated belt, I'll put gold on the plates where I want it to be, uh, just in the select area that I want it to be. So that's a dual plated belt. It's silver and gold, uh, nickel nickel plating and gold. Um, and so I Reggie would sometimes do do a belt for a customer and say, hey, I need you to dual and paint this one because you painted after all the plating's done. So. You know, we collaborated that way on a lot of projects, and um, Reggie, uh, Reggie's business partner uh, for years, the late Ed Schumann, uh, Ed would send a lot of work my way or collaborate. Uh, Ed even insisted, although it was god-awful huge and, and cumbersome and I hated using it, but we, uh, a, a dual stamp even uh, for some of the projects, and um, I still have that somewhere, but my gosh, I hated using it, and um you know, basically, if it said crafted by Reggie Parks and Dave Milliken, it meant I made the belt. <laughs> but Ed wanted Reggie's name on it as well, what that boils down to. Um, but it really, you know what, there's never been a disagreement. There's never been a, a problem. There's never been a, an issue over a split of, of, of profits or money or anything like that. And, and what happened, as I talked about Reggie having to finally get into the contract age, um, mm-hmm. When things started changing, Ed Schumann was the first one to smarten Reggie up and say, listen, you have to do this yeah. to stay in the game and, and keep being relevant. Even though you basically started this whole thing, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to sign some deals. Plus, you're an idiot if you don't because we got to start protecting some of this stuff. Yeah. And so what happened is we formed an LLC and we started uh, making sure that we were compensated for designs that go on video games, action figures, oh, um, you know, you name it. If it's, if it's branding toy, any sort of toy that has our, or not just toy, but merchandise that has a likeness of our work on it, um, that we get what we're supposed to get out of that. Um, what year, what year and, was this when you guys finally got this together? Because you worked for a long time on a handshake, or at least Reggie, uh, as yeah, far as, right. you know, before you guys really got this together as a business and said, Hey, there's people knocking our stuff off. There's, uh, you know, there's merchandise deals out there and, and you weren't getting them. right. Which unfortunately you're never really going to stop the, the knockoffs, the more the yeah. Rolex stops them or, or, 
you know, uh, big design uh, companies for of any sort of fashion or anything like that can ever stop them. You're never going to be able to stop them. But what you do is you just curtail it the best you can and go after the biggest player, you know, when you can. But, um, you know, Ed really started that, but then our LLC had to change after he passed away. And I guess this current version, uh, my gosh, this current version is probably about uh, almost 10 years old. Um, but it, it really is almost twice that old uh, as far as when we really started trying to protect it. Yeah. Um, and then Ed passed away and things had to be redone and re- reorganized. And we brought Rico in as a, as a partner uh, to handle that because, you know, um, Reggie is uh, now 84 years old and yeah. not, obviously not, not, not doing as much, but so uh, we, we have things that we still have to catch up on. We're way, way behind on the collector thing because so many of these things were ordered and so much time goes into each one of them. Yeah. Um, but Reggie, Reggie, of course, these days at 84, he doesn't want to handle a whole bunch of business. So, so Rico filled that role that Ed used to fill where he handles Reggie's business. And I'm involved in that as well, but I really just kind of more handle myself where Rico handles his and Reggie's business. Um, but it's just, a, it's just an equal split. Um, you know, as, as far as, the proceeds of that because we, uh, it all started with Reggie, but Reggie never protected anything in the early days. Um, we've even been approached, uh, by, you know, by legal representatives that said we need to go back and, and fight for some retro stuff for companies that are still in business that aren't necessarily even producing our stuff anymore, but did for years. And I've, I've just kind of passed on that. I thought, you know what? Uh, I'm content with what it is. I'm content going forward. I don't really want to go back and attack anybody or, uh, you know, go after anybody, and it's it's not a, it's not a greed situation. It's just about let's make it right situation. Yeah, but but you mentioned and you, you just brushed on it. Uh, you know, you started out you're you're just making belts. You love making belts, and it turned into this uh, this huge business. Uh, you know, uh, with, with all this, uh, not just the making you know these belts for for people around the world. But you've made them for celebrities and for uh, other uh, events, uh, racing, and and uh, I think Madonna has one of your belts. And uh, could yeah, you have ever imagined? Yeah, how many? Three. Three, really? So what she take? She wears them on tour. Well, she did at the at the, for the uh, for the what was the name of it? Hard Candy, the Madonna Hard uh. Candy. We made her the the cover one for the album. We made her. Uh, a stage belt, which she wore at first, but then said she needed a corset version. Mm. So we worked with uh, her, uh, one of her designers, to make the corset version that she didn't have to worry about wearing like a conventional championship belt. But yeah, three from Madonna. And and you touched on that, and, and that's something that I had meant to mention earlier. But yeah, it, it's grown so much. It's it's Good not Lord. just... If people, if people like to say, especially in the South, people like to say that wrestling belt, you know, and, and I think... <laughs> My gosh, you have no idea. Lip sync battles on television every week, you yeah. know, and that's us. And uh, as you said, entertainers, uh, actors, singers, uh, you know, uh, race race events, golf. Um, we did PGA belts uh, for for a while. Um, I mean, it's it's people want them for weddings. People want them for everything because it's become the new symbol. Uh, you know, it's it's like a prestige symbol, and it's mm-hmm. something that people want to have. And and the reason that I started uh, kind of wanting my own as a kid was just bragging rights because yeah. I wanted I wanted one for whatever we were you know backyard thing we were doing at the time. And 
and that never changes. That yeah. it is, and it only it only grows, and especially now when you have video games and people want video game championships and yeah, yeah um, I mentioned that you name it, and, and, and people they want, and they want a championship for it. Yeah, and you, and you mentioned that, but it, but it goes beyond that because uh, there's merchandise. There's uh, you know uh, they have the belts and they they're not leather, but the the ones they sell, uh, you know at at, uh, at these wrestling events. Uh, that right. mock your designs, you get a piece of that. Right. And then there's also like, if, if there's a champion wearing a title belt, that's uh, in these video games, that's also your, your design, your, your copyright. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and, and WWE has gotten, um, you know, uh, thankfully, uh, they, they did reintroduce the, the intercontinental belt years ago, but you know, WWE is all about branding and, and they, let's be honest. They don't want to pay us any more than they have to. And, and that's yeah. not a knock. That's business. That's, yeah. that's common sense business. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but they do see the value and st- because they still, to this day, sell well, the copies of the winged Eagle belt, the copies mm-hmm. of the intercontinental championship belt. And we're constantly in talks about it, uh, it, you know, expanding the line to go back and do some of the old retro, the, you know, at times we talk about maybe the Hulk Hogan era belts and, and uh, the ones before the winged Eagle and, and bringing those back. And, who knows what will happen, but we talk about all these things off and on, and, and we do whatever they want. But, um, you know, WWE got very, very smart, and they own most of their designs now. Mm-hmm. Um, the current, on television currently, the only design we own is the Intercontinental Championship, and when they decide to, to change it again, which has been talked about for the last few years, mm-hmm. when they do change it, we won't get a piece of that anymore. We'll still get a piece of the replica sales of ours, you know, as long as they choose to sell them. But yeah, so, you know, you always want to have, we, there's no retirement plan for what we do. There's no 401k. So what you want to do is have all the, the, um, the licensing deals that you can yeah. uh, and all the merchandising deals that you can, because, um, really that's, that's where the money is these days. It, the, the money is not so much being very honest and making the handcrafted belts. And that's still a part of my living, a, bi- a big part of my living, but yeah. Um, you know, really, it's about merchandising uh, worldwide. Yeah, and why haven't? Because I know that you still uh, all this stuff is is handcrafted. But there was ever a point where you could have mass produced these on a scale and made them uh, look pretty authentic. With you know, they could have the leather. But why? And and you could have made a lot of money. Uh, why not? Well. Um, you know, what you see out there today, as far as the current versions of these replica belts, um, mm-hmm. and WWE le- leading the way, of course, uh, are as close as you're going to get to, mm-hmm. because in a factory where you're, where you got machines doing things, you can make some great looking stuff and they do, yeah. but you can't, and, and the plates, especially they can, they can reproduce the plates. What you can't do with a machine is a hand tool strap, um, that's got, you know, all the, all the hand uh, marking and, and, and hand tooling yeah. in the leather. And there's a difference. And that's why for years, and, and we started this, uh, after the first replica belts, we would re-leather, um, you know, the replica belts. And we, I, I had to stop doing it because we're so backlogged already, but there are people out there now that just learn how to do leather work strictly to do belt re-leathers and they'll pick up an extra grand a week sometimes re-leathering or i mean i'm just throwing that number out there they can pick up as long as they're willing to work and and can get business uh for a a few hundred bucks a pop you can re-leather these replica belt straps and it makes them much more authentic looking 
but really the factories now, um, you know, that's the stuff that they're turning out uh, for the WWE replicas. That's probably about as, as good as it's going to get in the foreseeable future, as far as I know, because you can't replicate what we do by hand with no. a machine. Yeah. And it's painstaking. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it, start to finish and it's, say it's, uh, you know, a mid-level belt. I, how, how many man hours would you estimate it, it takes start to finish? Um, you know, it, it, it's all over the place. If it's a, a basic belt, single layer, um, let's just break it down from the time that, that it gets to me. I mean, I can, I can put anywhere from, from a day, uh, into it. Um, you know, a, a full work day, it might be six, eight, ten hours, depending on what the, how involved it is as yeah. far as what goes into that one belt. Uh, and other times, I mean, I, I can knock out a basic piece of leather. If I, if I've got it tooled and marked, I can do that in a couple of hours. Um, but that's not all there is to it by any means, because you're yeah. still putting it together and you, you have hardware on the back and it has to be grinded down so it doesn't stick up and you have a backing that has to cover all of that. You got, you know, you have uh, leather that has to be dyed. You have all these different steps. You have plates that have to be painted. And sometimes a, a belt has a little paint on the main plate. Some have no paint and right. some you paint literally for six hours. Right. Um, you know, uh, just tedious, tedious work. Um, so it, it, it really is just all over the place. I've spent, uh, weeks on a project when, uh, the, when WWE changed the design first to their logo, which was the logo before this one. And it was, the belt was just the logo. The main plate was the logo milled out, but it had, um, somewhere between five and 600 stones in it. And that's five to 600 wow. holes that are drilled and five, five to 600, uh, handset CZs. So, you know, um, it just runs runs the gamut there too. Well, the re the reason I ask is because I I know that there's a lot of steps involved in here. It's not you sitting down on a bench and doing every part of it, but when you think about you know the entire process, and when you look at I I would I, I tell you I, I get an idea that you know just the ballpark out there you could spend fifteen hundred dollars on a belt and get a really great belt from you. And I I was to, sure. to hear that I'm like that's it. And I I'm, I mean. To some people, I understand that's a lot of money, but for me to look at that, and like I said, it's like a work of art to me. That for fifteen hundred dollars, considering the man hours and that you know, with all the people involved in this, how can right. it be only cost that much? <laughs> I'm really I don't understand. Well, it's and 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 like anything else, it's finally going up. But we fought that mm. kicking and screaming for years, and until we lost our um, original engraving company. Mm. Uh, in, in 2017 until we lost them and had to start up because we had said it was a more mom and pop shop and, and Reggie had used them for many, or we'd both used them for many years mm -hmm. and when we lost them. And then, and that just was a little, uh, not completely unexpected during the last few months of that year, but it, it hit us pretty hard and, and it, and it really made the backlog worse. But, um, you know, uh, we fought that going up, but fifteen hundred—that's a—that's a good number because that's a yeah, good I base mean, number for for um, what an average nice belt. That's not, yeah. you know, you can you can, I've said people spend twenty thousand dollars, but but you can. It's like anything else that you value. If you collect watches or right. uh, whatever you collect, I mean, it's what you put into it. But here's the thing: if you buy that fifteen hundred dollar belt and you take care of that fifteen hundred dollar belt, thirty years later you're still going to have that and it's still going to look the same. 
Um, I have Reggie belts in, in my den that are 30 years old that mm. look like they were made last week because they've been taken care wow. of. Yeah. It, it's, it's just and amazing. I've got 20 plus year old belts that I made that still look good. So, yeah. Well, I know your, your place is a museum. I'd love to stop by someday, but, uh, are, are you fascinated though? I, and I know you get it that you're about belts. Belts have been a part of your life and you understand, uh, you know, why, uh, they are such a part of professional wrestling. But are you amazed sometimes that uh, how people are, are just so uh, fascinated by the history of these belts? I mean, uh, you've been involved in two books, uh, uh, you know, yeah. the 10 Pounds of Gold and, and Big Gold, uh, that, you know, it comes down to, to writing books. How did that happen? That, you know, like, hey, you know, enough well, people want, are interested. We, we need to write a book. Yeah, um, that that came about because my buddy uh, Dick Bourne, who mm-hmm. who's uh, a, a very good writer, thankfully because I wouldn't be. Um, but we we've been friends for a, for a very long time, and and he he would say to me uh, before we before we did the Ten Pounds of Gold project, he would say we need to do Dave Milliken's Big Book of Belts, mm-hmm. and I would say just you know tell me what you need from me because obviously I don't have a lot of time to, to put into it when I'm running my, my business day to day. And, and he would keep on about that. And then the 10 pounds of gold belt, we had access to it. And he, he said, we got to do it. So, um, you know, it started there and, and I really was just a source of information. And then we both photographed the belt because we had, we were, you know, fortunate to have access to it. And, um, really I'm just, I get good credit for that for, him asking questions of me and saying, Hey, what about this? And what about that? And so with that, I get my name on, on the book and I, I really didn't write a single word of it, but, um, Dick Bourne did. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of a source of information because, and I get this from my friend, Conrad Thompson, he, you know, and I, I don't, he says it a lot. So I picked up on it. You know, um, if you want to nerd out on belt stuff, you can, uh, you know, I would got to talk to you because, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm an encyclopedia of, uh, sometimes useless information, but information. Um, and that's how yeah. it all came about. Dick just started asking me questions and we, we were there. And then when, you know, after the, 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 of course the, the natural follow-up to the 10 pounds of gold, if you're a wrestling fan and you know about championship belts is going to be about the big gold belt. So, uh, same thing. We had access to the belt. Why not? Well, I have to tell you, one of my my favorites is uh, the WCW television belt. I don't know uh, if if it's uh, one of yours, but uh, you know, Steve Austin wore that belt. Ricky Steamboat. I, you know, maybe I mean I love the design, but also just the people that were you know associated with it. But is that yeah. uh, that belt one of your favorites? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I've got the first WCW branded one on my wall. Um, oh, really? I was able to, to go back and get that, uh, from, uh, from Scott Steiner. He had held on to the first one. Um, yeah. you know, the old NWA world television belt, very, very popular belt. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but the up was, was the first WCW, uh, world television belt. And, uh, when I had the opportunity to pick that up, I, I couldn't pass it up. So yeah. yeah, that was a Reggie belt and it's on my wall and, uh, I'm really glad to have it. But yeah, yeah I love that belt. Well, there's just so many. The blue leather, which is, uh, you know, another one that they're just so unique. I mean, I, don't, I think that's what makes um, them stand the, out. Back to the television belt. Um, and it's uh-huh. not about name dropping. It's just about what a tremendous person he is, what a great guy he is. Steve Austin is another guy that's done so much for me. And I've got uh-huh. two uh, Steve Austin ring used belts in my collection. But, you know, lots of guys, 
you know, wore these belts in some cases, but I go back to those guys that meant something to me. So I've got, I've got Jerry Lawler belts and I've got, uh, Steve Austin belts. And, and I really, you know, while it's great to pick up a piece of any kind of wrestling lore history and, and memorabilia, um, you know, it means something to me. It's special when I've got a connection with these people and if they've done something for me or been so good to me, like Jerry or like Steve. So, you know, I go out of my way to, to, uh, if I find out that they're out there, I go out of my way to track them down and to get them. Yeah. And I know you've made a number of belts for Steve over the years and, uh, you know, and with it, uh, they, they share your, your love of, of these belts too. So, uh, you know, it's a natural friendship. I'm, I, I totally understand why you guys have uh, remained close over the years. You know, it's funny. Jerry used to talk to Jerry would be very dismissive of, of, uh, of belts, not, not in a disrespectful way, but it's just like, it's just another thing, you know, he's had so many yeah. of them, and, but, yeah. but then, uh, you know, it's easy to have that conversation, but then when, when you, uh, bring one back to him after you fixed it up or you bring a new one to him and you see the sparkle in his eye, it's like, yeah, nah, it's still there. He still cares. You know, it's yeah. still, it's still pretty cool. Well, and Austin's, uh, I, I guess he would be a belt nerd too. I don't think I, you know what? I'm not there yet. And I've known Steve a long time and he's, but I'm not there. I want to call Steve. A nerd. I, I'll take that. Don't, don't. <laughs> I wouldn't call him anything actually, but, uh, yeah, except Mr. Yeah, Austin. No, no, I yeah, yeah, that's right. Whatever he wants. But I mean, I, my point is, I mean, he's really loves, no, he loves no, belts. Yeah, I mean, you no, made, he does. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Cl- closet I mean, don't mark kind of, kind of, uh, yeah. cause, but, but we had great conversations and he would call me and talk yeah. about old Memphis wrestling or talk about belts and, and, uh, you know, we would laugh about it. He'd say, who else am I going to call, man? I can't, you know, we're right. going to call Undertaker and talk about this stuff. You know, come on. Uh, uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, he is. He's got a great appreciation for him. And I was able to go back and recreate some that he did. He had lost along the way. Um, and he still got some, some originals, too. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, Steve. Steve does. is not the kind of guy that's going to have him on his wall or display him. But he's got some in his safe, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I, I came into the business, uh, you know, in 88 and, uh, you know, I, I've really, I've, I've become a big student of, of the history of it because I'm just fascinated by how it all came together and, uh, you know, the way those territories were run and, uh, kayfabe and, uh, you know, do, do you, do you miss it some way? And, and I, I'm not, and folks you know, listening, I'm, I'm not knocking what's going on today. I'm actually encouraged by what we're seeing with, uh, you know, the young bucks and Cody and the, uh, AEW and everything. But uh, do you miss those days when, uh, people didn't really know it was, it was that, uh, uh, uh you know, there was another side to this, those days. Yes. Yes. I very much do. Um, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm in the exact same boat. Uh, I, I'm, I'm grateful, uh, that, that these guys that you just mentioned, um, you know, come along and, and keep such a, uh, an interest in, in the business. And a respect too. With, and a respect for yeah. the business. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and especially you can, you can tag Cody Rhodes with that for sure. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, while I do have such appreciation for that, do I miss it? Yeah, man. I, I remember, uh, old, you know, being in the South, oh, I don't want to go watch that old fake mess. And then my dad, my dad would, before I was able to drive myself, my dad would take me and he would grumble sometimes. Oh, I'm tired. I don't want to go tonight. I don't want to watch that old fake stuff. And then he would sit there and he would flinch <laughs> during the matches. Uh, uh, and he would flinch. 
and uh, <laughs> in particular, and so you know, some some southern wrestling fans will recognize these names. But Steve Kern uh, and Norvell Austin yeah. had yeah. a feud in Memphis, and my dad was a big Steve Kern fan because he just felt like Steve brought such a realism to it, and he did. Uh, Steve was Steve was uh, one of those guys, and. And uh, my dad, if Steve Kern was out there, then he would set up in his seat, and you'd see him when th- Steve would throw a forearm or throw a punch, he'd flinch, flinch. So I, I, I remember uh, slapping him on the leg and saying, that old fake stuff, huh? And he looked over and said, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I very much miss it. Um, you can't unring a bell, unfortunately, you know? Uh, yeah. And even for the people that thought they knew back then, nobody knew for sure. And how many times did you hear, well, those guys were going at it for real, you know? Uh, or if it, you know the, well, a few times they were, you know? Yeah. Well, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. You know. the, the thing is that, that shoots typically are, are ugly yeah. uh, and, and sloppy. And so when you see that, then you knew that that's when you knew that it got a little heated, but yeah, um, yeah I, I do miss it. And you can't unring a bell and you can't turn back time, but uh, it was a great, great time to be a fan. I'll tell you that. Well, uh, it's been amazing what you have done for the business. And I know Dave, you're a, a humble guy, but uh, do you recognize that? Uh, I mean, what is your view? What do you think you've contributed? You know what? Uh, when I go back and I, and I say that, that I was content living in Reggie Parks' shadow. Um, if I'm only remembered as the guy that kept the, the Reggie Parks legacy and kept uh, what we've uh, what we've built later, if I'm the guy that kept that alive and that's what people remember about me, then that that would be wonderful. That'd be great with me because um, you know you take Reggie out of that equation, this whole thing changes. Mm-hmm. Oh, there'd be belts. Yeah, but he changed the game. And and uh, a quick explanation: I've had people call something generic wrestling belt tooling oh. on the leather oh that's just generic wrestling belt tooling i said generic okay. where do you think it came from somebody created it and that somebody was reggie yeah. um but you know what that's that's really it uh reggie created a brand that i was happy to be a part of it and thanks to the advent of social media and how media in general is, has changed to picking up on on wrestling and on on championship belts I've gotten the lion's share of attention uh, and I'm grateful for that. And it means a lot to me, but at the end of the day, no Reggie parks, no Dave Milligan. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's uh, something when you you talk about the masters and and you're one of them and you mentioned uh, Reggie's 84 now and, uh, and uh, you're 50, you're going to be doing this for a while. uh, But are you, passing it on because i worry that uh, once these masters are gone will that will the uh, trade continue um or do you fear that it's going to be a lost art you know there are some good guys out there still doing it and some some good guys getting started um mm-hmm. i don't know that i so much have a hand in it other than they've probably looked to me at different times to learn some things like i did looking at reggie but uh unfortunately and this is my fear Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have gotten so much into this mass production age and you have companies like UFC whose belts are solely made in a factory and that's a business decision. I'm not knocking them for it, but I wonder how much longer, I think they'll always be around and guys, uh, thankfully like triple H have an appreciation for a handcrafted belt, but at some point, you know, I have to wonder, are they all going to be factory made belts? And, and I, and I hope and pray that's not the case. But that's the world we live in, where everybody's looking for a faster way and everybody's looking for 
streamlining and, and cutting costs. And, um, you know, that's why UFC did what they did. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, I don't know, I don't know, man, I, I'd love to have the answer. I'd love to have the great, uh, you know, the, the great finish to this with, with a, a wonderful upbeat answer, but I wonder about it too, Sean. I really do. Yeah. But it has been some ride. I mean, a, a kid that just was fascinated with belts. Could you have ever imagined what your life would uh, turn into? No, no, not at all. Um, you know, and, and I'll tell you, I, um, just to walk in, I don't, not anymore, but 20 years ago to walk into, uh, a mall area and go to the bookstore and you see your work on the cover of something. And then to mm-hmm. go over to the toy store and you see your work in an action figure and to go, you know, and the department store and see, a, a you know, or, or a game store now, a video game and it's, your work's on the cover, you know, no, when I started doing this, man, I just loved belts. You know, I never even dreamed I'd make a living at it, much less get any sort of, um, I don't know that I call it fame, but any sort of notoriety for it, you know, um, and, and any sort of recognition for it. And I was never, that was never the appeal to me. That was never, I was, I, you know, I didn't think it would ever be a thing. I just wanted to do it. That's all. Well, awesome. And uh, Dave, I really want to thank you for joining us. You are a true artist. And uh, really, uh, I, I hope that there are other masters that come along, but uh, you have uh, done, uh, uh, made great cr- contributions to the world of professional wrestling. And I know a lot of my listeners uh, agree with me. And uh, I hope, I hope that uh, you, you keep it going. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, and, and just to say it for everybody here, I've been a fan for a long time and, uh, and I still am. So thanks for having me on. Hey, I know you don't need the business because you've got it backed up, but how can people get, <laughs> how can people get in touch with you? Um, the website is terribly outdated, but the email link still works. So it's on there at, at uh, aceofbelts.com or davemillikinbelts.com. Takes you to the same site. Uh, and then my Twitter at Dave Millican, I check that as often as I can. Um, so really does, you know, get in touch with me that way is, is, is the best way to go. All right. And, uh, I hope I run into you soon, maybe in Vegas at Starcast. I'll see you there, man. All right. Take care. Take care, Sean. Thanks. So was I right? Was I right? Yes, I was. I told you that was a great conversation. I'm telling, I was fascinated. I just, and I I love when I go into these uh, these uh, conversations with people, not knowing what's you know is this going to be good or is it going to be yeah. and Dave was just phenomenal. I and I was just riveted. I, I loved hearing all of the details, literally about these belts, and then uh, the ones that they, you know they made for celebrities, and it's just fascinating. And I I wasn't a big fan about the title belts before about belts. I am now, and I'm a big fan of of Dave Milliken. What a an awesome guy. Uh, I can't wait to run into him again. So, uh, really, I, I really hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, of course, we got more great stuff coming up uh, next week, another great episode. Uh, before we sign off here, though, I want to once again remind everybody, do not, don't miss your chance. If you've ever thought about having your own T-shirt collection, or let's say you've got something special, you know, uh, team-wise or a big event coming up, uh, I, great ideas. I'm going to tell you how you can get it done. Uh, whether you're an artist, a musician, a business owner, influencer, or even just someone with a fun idea for a single T-shirt, What For Apparel can help you turn those ideas into marketable products because it's uh, it's an on-demand print partner solution. That's what they call it. That's the fancy uh, words for it. But uh, like I said before, 
you design the T-shirt, they help you do it. Then they, uh, you know, make the design, they get it set for printing. And then when somebody orders it, or if you order them, they do it right there. Boom, boom, boom. And then they send it out to wherever it's going. Maybe it's to you. However, but bottom line, What for Apparel helps turn your T-shirt designs into cash, and there is zero upfront costs. For more information, just go to whatforapparel.com slash contact or go to at whatforapparel on Twitter and send them a message for your free quote and consultation and be sure to tell them that Sean Mooney sent you. Okay? All righty. Uh, we've got some uh, birthday, you know, I'm t- we're having a blast uh, with, the, with the Patreon members, and uh, we just keep growing it, you know, uh, we're getting more and more members, but we're growing what we do on there, and it's just so much fun, because there's uh, it's this great way to interact with everybody, and you guys get to vote what the next episode's going to be, uh, depending on your tier, uh, you know, of course, I mentioned the watch-along, yeah, we got that great watch-along coming, it's happening this Sunday, did you already make plans? You got to be there. If you haven't been to uh, a part of one of these, uh, don't miss your opportunity. It's happening this Sunday, March 3rd, with Road Warrior Animal. Uh, yeah, the uh, Legion of Doom, you know, with Hawk. Uh, it, it's going to be fun. And the way it goes, you know, we'll do a little intro. We talk about uh, Joe's career and uh, some of the things that happened during that uh, tremendous career with Hawk. And then we're going to sh- uh, watch the match all the way along. You get to ask questions along the way. Uh, and, uh, you know, we will get to everybody. And then when it gets even better, when we get done watching the match, then we get to have you come on screen with Joe and just ask him another question face to face. Cause you're going to see each other in the screens. Uh, you can just, uh, you know, tell them a memory, uh, you know, whatever. It's just, it's all, it's so much fun. We had a lot of funs with fun with the uh, nasty boy knobs. And I know we are going to have a blast with Joe. So it's happening this Sunday. And the way you can be a part of it is just go to primetimemooneylive.com. That's primetimemooneylive.com and sign up. Uh, if you're already a Patreon member, if you're one of the Moonies or if you're the Legion of Who, uh, part of that group, you get to be a part of it absolutely free. Uh, and we'd love to have you on board with Patreon, man. Uh, all you have to do to uh, become part of that is go to patreon.com slash primetimemooney. That's patreon.com slash primetimemooney. And uh, really, it's just a lot of stuff happening. We've got StarCast coming up. I, I can't even get into that today. We've just got, I've had so much happening, and uh, I'm just really excited about uh, everybody coming on board with Patreon. And now we've got another watch along, which is so much fun. And of course, uh, more and more people are finding out about Moon Nation, about PTSM, and joining us every week. And uh, I just want to thank you for uh, all being a part of it. Uh, let's see here. I've got now, uh, part of being um, one of the uh, Patreon members is we give birthday shout-outs. And we've got one this week, this one going out to Jamie Watson, uh, whose birthday is March 2nd. And uh, Jamie, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Jamie Watson. Oh, boy, I'm going to have to do this for everybody now, right? Yeah, that's what, that's what they're going to be saying. <laughs> Happy birthday, Jamie. That's just part of being uh, with Patreon. So uh, don't miss your chance. Uh, we have a lot of fun. I do a, a Q&A. It's just us. We uh, pick a ta- topic. Uh, we've been doing that uh, you know, every week when we can, every other week. But uh, whenever you want to uh, have me sit down and we do it, Uh, That's a blast, too. So a lot happening. As I said, another great episode coming your way next week. I cannot wait. 
In the meantime, everybody take care. I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out. Out.